So as God is moving us into this season, as he's preparing us to step across waters, as I just said, I believe that God wants us to have every open opportunity for what he's about to do in your life. Amen. I don't know about you, but if God has laid a promise before me, I don't want to miss it because I don't step into it. But in order to step into it, there's going to have to be some risk on the line. See, the children of Israel, when they crossed over that river, I want to say it one more time, the river was not low. The water was not dried up. See, I have a creek that runs through the back of my house. And uh, during certain months of the year, that creek is dry and sandy, and you, you could probably ride a four-wheeler through it. The other part of the year, it is flooded and constantly moving and flowing. So much so that there was a dam that was built behind my property. Uh, the, the behind neighbor had built a big, large dam. I mean, a big dam. It was probably, it's probably all of eight or 10 feet wide and with steeped banks, concreted for maybe 30 yards of, of this big dam where he had dammed up the area of the creek. Uh, really well done and they had their area of their land so full they could ride jet skis and everything through there and a storm came through one night and finally broke through the dam eroded the soil underneath busted this thick concrete broke the dam and now the river is running free how many of you know that that is the moment that uh, a small creek can take away large chunks of concrete where you can't find the concrete anymore is not the moment you want to go play in the creek it's not the moment you want to go out there and try to fix it. It's the moment where you say, I'll just let whatever's going to happen, happen. Let the damage that's going to happen, happen. And when everything calms down, then I'll step over and assess and rebuild. And that, a lot of times, is what we believe is wisdom. But God's wisdom is always to the contrary many times of what we believe. Amen? Here is the river raging against the, the Israelites. The river has flooded and God says, why don't you cross now? And it's the moment that they have to do that. Now, what's amazing is you contrast that. God is always asking and calling us into more risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. God is always calling us into more risk. If you look at the trajectory of the nation of Israel, you will see this play out with Moses backed up to the Red Sea. He's called to move out. Now, remember, Moses has seen the miracles of God. Egypt has seen the miracles of God. They've seen the 10 plagues. Finally, to the point where Egypt says, you can go. We can't handle this anymore. And then Pharaoh somehow forgets what had just happened to his nation and decides, I'm going to go destroy them. Somehow Moses forgets that God had met him 10 times. And in the 11th time, Moses has lost a little faith. And in that moment, he cries out to God, God, help us. We need your help. And God replies, I gave you a staff. I gave you a staff. Remember, you know, the staff that turns into a snake, the one you stuck in the water and the water turned to blood. Remember the staff I gave you that's supposed to bring my wonders? Do you not remember? But what happens is, is sometimes we get confronted with a confrontation when we think the season is over. We think we've survived the floodwaters, we feel like we've survived the outpouring or survived the moment and we take a quick breath and then somehow we forget that we were victorious in the last season. So of course we'll be victorious in this one. Somehow Moses thought I was victorious in Egypt, but now that I left, I've lost the victory. 
He forgot the staff still worked. He forgot that moment. He had lost a little bit of faith. Maybe he had lost a little bit of wisdom in that exchange. And so God reminds him, just stick your staff in the water. And he sticks his staff in the water and the water parts. But when they get to the Jordan River, that's not the case. There was no staff to stick in the water. That was not the case. God is always calling us. Right? The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Everybody wants more glory. Amen? Anybody in here want less glory? Lord, I'm just hoping you'll do a smaller work than you did yesterday. Lord, smaller things we'll see in this season. Now, there's a few people that say that. There's a, I can name off a couple of denominations. No, I won't get there. Kind of weird church of you. Well, we saw 12 people get healed yesterday, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. That's wonderful. There's a lot of people that don't believe in healing until they need it. I've seen people staunchly against healing. All of a sudden they get sick and they're like, I can use prayer. Like God, like I can't imagine a God, the rabbit trail right here, I'm gonna take it for a second. But I can't imagine a God that when you get to heaven, he'll say, how dare you pray to me for healing? Like he's gonna be angry for asking. Right? That's like your kid saying, can I have more broccoli? I can't believe you would ask that. Well, it depends, I guess, on how it treats your tummy. Maybe, maybe not ask for more. Okay, I'm just, just saying a couple of you. Um, but so they're backed up against this river. And God says, hey, do you not remember what I did before? Let's do it again. God likes to do it again, amen? amen. We like to forget he did it before. So he likes to do it again, so we'll remember. And so suddenly God is like, let's do it again. But he says, I'm not going to give you a staff to stick in the water. He says, instead, I want you to walk into the middle of the river. So he has the priest take the Ark of the Covenant and go into the middle of the Jordan. And the water does not dry up until they are in the river. Some of you are hoping that the second your foot hits the water, that one of two things will happen. Only your toe will get wet or you will learn how to walk on water. Amen? I have one bucket list of glory that I have to see before I die, and that's me walking on water. I'm determined it's going to happen. I have got wet and soggy to few shoes in my day so far. That's true. That's a really true story. I'm like, I'm going to walk in there. Someone said the other day we were talking about that, somebody that they saw actually walk on water, and, and, and they said, you know, like, how many people ruined their cell phones thinking they were going to walk on water? And I'm like, well, surely they'd empty their pocket. And I said, well, maybe that's why they don't walk on water. If you're preparing to fail, you will. No risk, no reward. So at the end of my life, if I've, I've only ruined one cell phone trying to walk on water so far, but I plan to ruin a bunch or none. One of those two is going to happen, amen? But it's not going to be because I, I took steps to protect myself from my faith. See, so many people have hedged their risk. Now, if you are in financial management or you do anything in your finances or you invest in stocks, you know that it is not wise to take all of your money and put it into one stock, right? It, right, it, it's called diversification. Anybody heard that term before? Diversification, right? When I was learning about how to invest in the stock market, the rule was you got to own at least 10 stocks. 
Never more than put 10% of anything into any one stock and never risk more than 2% of your entire portfolio. This is not a financial lesson. I'm just giving you an example here. But never risk more than 2% of your portfolio. If a stock ever goes down 20%, you should sell it right away. And if you only own 10% and it goes down 20, you've risked 2% of your portfolio. So at any given time, you could lose 2%. And so it's called diversification or risk management in order to mitigate the risk. And I think what happens is, is that we think that the world's wisdom is God's wisdom. Now that's wisdom, am I wrong? That's smart. That's, that's information that comes from right sources. That will be valuable to you in your financial management. But when God calls you to step out, that's the wisest thing you can do. God's wisdom does not always equal ours because God has information we do not. When God calls you to step into a running river that can sweep you away, that does not seem wise. Amen? That seems full-hearted unless God knows he's about to dry up the river by your obedience. And so I'm willing to step past that. And so we have to begin to trade the world's wisdom for God's wisdom. That does not mean that we do not carry wisdom. It just means that we recognize that God's wisdom is always greater than our own. And at any moment, we need to transfer over to God's wisdom. And God's wisdom says, step into a rushing river. That's your season to cross over. And so we're in a season right now when we look around, we see waters beginning to rise. We see gas prices beginning to rise. Right? House prices have risen. You're trying to sell a house right now. You are happy. You're trying to buy a house right now. You are not happy. Some of you are like, I knew we should have jumped last year. Somebody was asking, I keep getting messages from people saying, would you like to sell your house? No, no way, no way. It's like giving up a full-time income the way it's going up. So wisdom would say, don't sell it. So there are situations happening right now around the world and in our country that look like the river is rising and it's beginning to pick up steam and it doesn't look like the time to step out and have some faith. But that's exactly what faith is. Faith is when you look at a situation through God's lens and not your own. You look at it through his wisdom and not your own. Amen? And what's amazing is, is that we have faith in so many areas but God's. Let me explain to you. You can tell when someone is walking in faith. You can tell when someone is operating in faith by their level of relaxation, their level of of the ability to relax and trust. Uh, When I was 19 years old, I was driving a car and I was alongside a a big truck and I had a little tiny car and an elderly man walked out in front of that truck thinking, in the crosswalk thinking uh, he just needed to beat that truck across. So he hurried and beat the truck, not seeing that my car was just behind that truck. So in my blind spot and in his blind spot, he stepped out in front of my vehicle. And at 19 years old, I struck him. And I had nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. There was nothing for me to do. I struck him and killed him. Okay? And that that man, the only comfort that I had for many, many months that I had to deal with that at 19 years old was the fact that he was crossing the street to go to church like he always did every Sunday. He was a grandfather. Now, how many understand that that will leave you a little traumatized? That'll make it hard on you to step forward. Okay, it'll make it hard on you to be, continue to even drive, amen? Even driving becomes difficult at that moment. And so for a long period there of my youth, um, I was okay driving, 
but I was always watching pedestrians. Everywhere I go, I was looking for a pedestrian that would just suddenly dart out across the street. Teenagers, don't do it. They win every single time. I don't know how many times I've been in a car and I've literally, don't, don't take me wrong. I, when, when you have trauma, sometimes you react out of that trauma, amen? And so I've even experienced that myself. All of us have. But I would literally have people walk out in front of my car like, well, I already walked in the road. You have to stop. And they, you ever seen them, right? They don't hurry across the street like, oh, sorry, I see you're coming. But they're like, we used to have a cat that did that. He'd march back and forth in the road making everyone's, every car stop. And, he would, and then the car would honk at him. And when he'd honk, he'd sit down <laughs> and just look at him. It's like, you ornery cat. He was so proud of himself for stopping traffic, okay? I'm like, you are going to get run over one of these days. We never saw him one time. Maybe he did. I don't know. So, but, but I would always look for pedestrians. But the worst was when someone else was driving. Rachel would drive the car, uh, and she's a great driver. It was great. No problem. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. She was great when she was younger. It was fine, all right? But she would drive the car, and I was a nervous wreck, right? And I'd be like, look out. Stop. Ah, move! You know, and she was like, oh my gosh. And she pulled the car over. She goes, you want to drive? You drive. She was always mad at me. She didn't understand what I was experiencing, right? I didn't know how to put it. She didn't understand that, that I had hit someone while I was in control, and now I'm in the car out of control. And so it was difficult for me to sit there, right? I could not relax in that moment because I didn't have any faith in, in not just her driving, but in other people's driving and other people and what had happened because I'd had something come against that faith. So I couldn't relax. So you can tell when you have faith in a situation when you're able to fully relax in that, amen? So, and there's a lot of places where you're able to relax. When you talk, when I go to lunch with a veteran, the first thing I always do, if I know they've served in the military of any kind, if I go to lunch, I always put my back to the door. I don't ask them, I just sit with my back to the door. Because I understand that most veterans, they want to see the, the exit and entry that's built into them to guard that, right? They can't relax with their back to the door. Well, I trust God. I know nothing's going to happen to me. I know what he's told me is happening for my future. So I'd rather put my back to the door and let them feel at ease. And so the level of faith that you have in a situation will demonstrate your level of relaxation. Amen. And so it's amazing to me the things in our life that we have put so much faith into, where we demonstrate our ability to have faith. Sometimes we have very little amounts of faith in God, but we have so much faith in man. And I think that's misplaced faith. Amen. So it's amazing to me that we can relax on a plane and we don't know who the pilot is. Did you meet him? What kind of grades did he get in flight school? See, a C minus student, right? I only crashed twice. But we can relax on a plane when we don't know who the pilot is. We can relax, relax on a ship never having met the captain. We can drive in a car never knowing who assembled it. We can live in a house no, never knowing who the builder is and trust that it won't fall down on us. We can have unwavering trust in imperfect people but we struggle to trust a perfect God. The airlines, the cruise lines, the car manufacturer, the home builder, they're all motivated by one thing. They want to make a profit, but God wants to make you a son. But we do not trust him. Profit is their bottom line, but you are God's bottom line. You can trust God, yet we don't seem to be able to relax in his plan for our life. 
And we are always worried that we'll be swept away when he calls us to move forward. Now, now I understand when we're unsure, God, did you say to move forward? That there might be hesitancy to move forward. That's understandable. And I think God understands that. When we're unsure, Lord, if it's you, I'll step forward. If I'm not sure it's you, make your plan clear. But the moment that God says it's time to move forward, the moment that God confirms his word, the moment that God moves on you, we need to trust God and move forward. We, we, we live in a world where we need more common sense, amen? Anybody been on uh, social media lately? And you realize that uh, common sense is in short supply these days? Right? And you watch a video where you're like, this one's a dummy. I got to share this. This person is so dumb. I don't know how they survived 18 years. I just don't, I just don't know that. I, I, you see these videos and you're like, surely this is staged. You ever seen a video like that? You're like, surely nobody is this ignorant. And like, they, they have to be just doing this to be funny. They're just, that, that's their comedic joke. They cannot be this ignorant. And you see those and you're like, I have no hope for humanity. I've lost all hope in humanity, right? Some of the older people, these kids, these days, this generation, right? And some of you are like, well, they're right. You're, you have now reached that age, by the way. If you are now like, I have no hope in the next generation, you have reached that age. You are now your parents. Like you, congratulations. Now, now, why is that? Is it a cycle where old men just get grumpy? Or is it that we get a little wisdom and we realize how foolish we were when we were young? Right? We realize it was not smart to go down a metal slide in the middle of summer. Towards concrete. Right? We say that's not smart, but we look at these kids today and they got plastic slides and they got rubber bottoms. Soft. Soft. We had a different kind of microdermabrasion, right? <laughs> we took off a few layers of skin. We're still alive from hose water. I mean, we don't think clearly, but we're alive. Yeah, slid down, made breakfast. No problem. Somebody smell bacon? Oh, that's me. <laughs> it's true. Some of you are like, no, I remember that. Third degree burn. You got burns down your legs, but you liked it. And you went back again. That's what we did. I remember one time I built a tree house in my backyard with no adult supervision whatsoever. And I built it out of some old wood I found. And I went up in that tree house and I was so proud of my tree house. And immediately... It broke, and I fell, and I grabbed onto one tree branch, I mean, one of the, one of the boards, right? I grabbed, as I fell, I slid down the tree, down this side, and it was one of those rough bark trees, okay? Like, like, like sandpaper, okay? Like, you know, and, and you know, like the paint stripper kind of, kind of sand, and it just all down the side of me, but I grabbed that last piece of wood, and I hung there. And, and I remember hanging there, bleeding down my side, literally, right? I'm like, and the only thing I thought was, yeah, dun, 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 dun. like I was like mission impossible. I was that, by that, I think at that time I was like, I'm the $6 million bionic man. Okay. That's, that's the reference, but I'm hanging there. I'm like, I am a superhero. <laughs> and then, and then when that board broke, <laughs> yeah, that one broke too. That board broke. My other side slid down the other side of the tree. And so for like three weeks, I walked like this, 
because I was just scabbed all up and down here. Like, the, you know, I couldn't put my hands down because it hurt so bad. So what did I do? I went back in that tree house. Yes, I did. Because I built it and I was going to use it. I just secured it a little better. But don't you know I did not go back up there with those old boards? I secured those boards before I went back up there, right? Because that's called stupidity if I don't. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is insanity. So I learned something by my mistake. I grew. You cannot go through your life landing on soft rubber uh, foundations and expect to learn anything by your mistake. Some of us have padded the ability to learn and to be wise by protecting everything we do and mitigating how much risk we have. We have over mitigated our risk. We do not trust God with anything anymore because we have bubble wrapped our, our spiritual lives. So we live in a world that because of that, we don't carry as much common sense anymore. And we need a little common sense. Here's the problem. We live in a world today where common sense doesn't seem to be so common. Let me say it this way. Because we need to be go beyond the common sense. There has to be a moment where we step beyond just the common sense. Common sense is the ability to see the obvious. Wisdom is the ability to see beyond the obvious. We say that one more time. Common sense is the ability to see the obvious, but wisdom is the ability to see beyond the obvious. And if we are struggling to even see the obvious things, then how will we ever see what God is doing behind the veil? How will we ever look behind and see what God is doing in the unobvious areas of our life? When someone says the obvious is you do not cross a raging river and God says, but I have said move forward. And wisdom says to go beyond the obvious to see what heaven is doing. There is a moment where we step into the realm of God's wisdom where he says, if you will step out, I will do it. And we see that God is drying up the river. So do not mistake wisdom for common sense and common sense for wisdom. Common sense will do you well. Wisdom will do you better. See, so while common sense is not as common, faith is even less common. We need to carry in this season both faith and wisdom. And so many of us do not value the lessons that give us reason to increase faith anymore. The reason to increase wisdom. I learned how to build a treehouse that day. Wisdom was born of the scars. I carried those scars on me for a long time to remember how not to build a treehouse. Amen. Your scars are not a reminder of your failures. They're wisdom on how to succeed. Do not allow anybody to point at your scars and mock you for your failures. They are wisdom that you carry to succeed. They are areas in your life where you understand how to move forward better. How to trust God better. How to listen to God better. And so we learn how to be wise. And, and there's so many times that we value the wrong things in life. And I believe that sometimes the, the church as a whole, that we value the wrong things in life. Look, I want to see the power of God and the glory of God move. But in order for me to see the power of God and the glory of God move, I got to be in the place that he's moving. I got to be in the right location. If I'm unwilling to risk the river, 
then I'm never going to get to the place where he's knocking down walls. I'm never going to get to the place that he's giving me victory. I'm never going to get to the place of healing if I don't trust him to cross the river. If I don't want to step out in wisdom, then I'm never going to get free from the things that I'm in right now. And so, so many times as a church, we don't value the, 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 the idea of growing in wisdom. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. We have to grow in wisdom. And there has to be this rising in a season like this where we're looking around and everyone's looking for answers. The church should be the answer. We should have the answer. We should be able to point to them and they say, but don't you see the raging river out there? I sure do, but I have a God who will calm that river for me. Now, I don't know what he'll do when you cross, but I know for me, he'll dry it up. So I'm willing to step out into it. You know, this is not the time to step out. But God told me to step out, so I'm going to. Now, wisdom knows when God says it and when he doesn't. Well, Pastor Ren said we should all just jump in a big raging river. No, I did not. When God says it's time to move, it is time to move. When God says it's time to stay, it's time to stay. In fact, if you read the Bible, it's full of a ton of stories where you're like, that is not a wise decision. Gideon is a perfect example of that. Oh, I got all these thousands of troops. You should dwindle it down to 300. That'd be a great idea. Hold on a second. So I was already outnumbered, and Lord, you want me to reduce my troops. Yep. I want you to separate those, half them. Then I want you to take them down by the water, and depending on the way in which they drink, I want you to wean them out. I'm looking for the way they fight, Lord. Not the way they drink. He's like, nope, send him home. He moves his army down to 300 people and he has the victory. That is not the world's wisdom, amen? But when God says he'll do it, he'll bring you through it. That's how it works. And so the church as a whole is looking for the wrong things. We're not actively seeking wisdom anymore. We're not actively saying, how can I increase my faith? We're looking for things like this. How can I be comfortable? How can I get more blessing? How can I be happier? I, I, man, I don't know how to break this to you, but God is not really that interested in your happiness. Some people are like, this, this is a sucky church. I don't like this church. They don't want me to be happy here. I'm just not having a good day. Awesome, that's what we want. God is not as interested in your happiness as he is your blessing. He's more interested in the joy of your life than he is the happiness of your life. He's, but he's more interested in your obedience. And obedience comes as an expression of faith. You don't get faith from obedience. Faith gives you obedience. Faith is the strength and energy it is to step out and be obedient to what God is saying over your life right now. And so, so many people need to stop looking for happiness. Here's the problem too. What we end up doing is we end up making a circle and continuing to just go back in the same cycle that we've always gone in. Stop looking for happiness in the same place you lost it. Somebody needs to understand it. You can't find happiness from the same place you lost it before. You think if you can just get another relationship, then you'll be happy. You think if you could just replace that job, you could be happy. You think if you could just get another friend, you'll be happy. You keep trying to find happiness in the same place you lost it, and you still haven't figured out why you lost it. There are some things in your life you need to lose. Too many people, if I just get that job, if I just get that bigger house, if I just get that friend, if I just get that spouse, then I'll finally be happy. Hollywood has built that whole world for you, right? If I just get famous, 
If, if everyone just loves me, if I just get rich enough, if I just have box office hits, then everyone will love me and then I'll finally be happy and I won't slap someone right on stage. I'm telling you right now, if there's ever been an example, I'm, I, if there's ever been, I'm bringing the house down with this one today. If there's ever been an example of how your idea of happiness will not bring joy into your life, it's that. When you finally win an Oscar, when your life is on top and you realize you are broken inside and none of that stuff has equaled your happiness at all. If I can just win, then I'll be happy. No, you need to learn to be happy, then you win in life. Your happiness is not situational. Your joy is not situational. You know, happiness is an emotion and a feeling, right? I am not happy about a situation, but it doesn't mean my joy is up for grabs. See, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is a gift to you from the Lord. It belongs to him, and the enemy is not allowed to have it. You have to give it to him. So, so many Christians, they want to equate happiness and joy as the same thing. They put it in one hand and they say, hey, I don't like my situation today, so enemy, you may have my joy. And we give away our joy because we don't have the wisdom to protect our joy. We don't have the wisdom to realize that joy is a source of strength for us. I am not happy about that situation. How many of you guys have ever had a situation where you just said, I am not happy about that? There is never a time that you have to say, well, that's not very godly of you. You are allowed to not be happy over a situation. You are not allowed to give up your joy. When you do that, you are giving up a weapon of your warfare to the enemy. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a weapon. It's a strength. Amen? So you cannot find happiness in the same place that you lost it. You cannot find faith in the same place you lost it. You can't find wisdom in the same place you lost it. You have to look from it from a different perspective. You need to look from it from heaven's perspective. And in this season, we need to have more faith and more wisdom than we carried before. And it's necessary for us to begin to trust the architect and creator of all things like we trust the pilot. Some of you are like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't trust the pilot at all. I've flown with some of those. <laughs> so many people think that you have to ab abandon common sense for faith. Faith is the ability to step into the term of wisdom. It allows you to step into wisdom. Faith is intelligence applied correctly. The word tells us that we have, uh, that we have all knowledge that there is a God, that we have the knowledge and the understanding that there is in fact a God. That's what the word tells us. But wisdom is applying what you know to be true before it manifests. So let me just explain that. Knowledge is different than wisdom. Knowledge says there is a God. Faith understands how to apply God to our life. Wisdom is the understanding of how to do that. Faith is the need for that. Wisdom is the application of that. See, even the demon, demons believe in God. You know that? Faith and belief are not the same thing. Because even the demons believe in God. They just don't know how to, how to apply him to their lives. They are unable to carry wisdom or have faith in him. 
So faith trusts God that he's a better pilot to steer your life than you are, that he's a better driver than you are, that he can steer you in the right direction better than you can. See, wisdom is not only that I know who he is, but I know how he responds. And so I act accordingly to his response because I know who he is. Knowledge is I know who he is, but wisdom is responding to allow him to be him. It's allowing him to operate in my life. It's saying, God, if you called me to it, then there is no hesitancy inside of me because I know who you are. I know if you say it, I'll see it. And so I trust you that if you say it, I'll see it. And so I respond accordingly. So many of us just do not have faith when God says he'll do it, that he'll do it because there are too many things looming over us. Lord, you do not see the storm over my life. How can I simply trust you in this process? Oh, everybody trusts God until there's a storm brewing. Yes, sir. Everybody trusts God until there's a situation. Come on. And you say, why am I facing this? Why am I facing this? We do not recognize that faith is produced from our situations that allow us to step out and grow. They are the situations where we stand on the edge of the cliff and the Lord says, jump, trust me, I've got you. Amen? Some of you have more faith than bungee cords. Y'all are crazy. Anybody in here gone bungee jumping? It's okay if you have. Crazy. I appreciate the crazy. That's my kind of crazy. Okay? I'm going to go skydiving one of these days. But I recognize how crazy that is. I do not, I tell you what, I am not bungee cord jumping without knowing who packed my chute. And he better have packed his first. And he better have packed him the same way. I'm going to watch him jump first. I might switch him. I might switch him parachutes. Whichever one he put on, I'm taking that one. You give me that one. You give me that one. Okay. We're doing a whole Iocane powder thing here, okay? Princess Bride, I don't trust you. I can't trust the poison in front of you. Some of you acting like you never saw the Princess Bride. That'll be next week's sermon because you, okay. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Some of you parents have not been doing your children right. They're looking at me like they don't know what's going on right now. I'm, I'm not going to get on to you this week. I'm going to let it go. Inconceivable. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we have to begin to rise up in faith. We have to begin to trust God in a greater measure. Some of us just simply do not trust God. Hmm, let me see. Who can I uh, pick on? I mean, who's a, who would be willing to do a sermon illustration for me for a second? Uh, man, uh, let me see. Okay, I'll use you, Dean. Come, come sit on the edge of the stage here. You, you help me bring it all up here. You might as well be the recipient. Just sit right here for me. Oh, I need a helper. Okay. I need someone to help me. I need a strong, someone strong. Someone strong enough to hold this bag. Who wants to come hold this bag for me? It's a bag. Come here, Jordan. You can hold it. Come on, Jordan. Jordan's strong. He beat me in a race yesterday. All right. Come up here, Jordan. You, you got to be, you know. Dean's almost as tall as us while he's sitting, so... <laughs> All right, so I need you to hold this bag of water, but I need you to hold it straight because if you tilt it at all, it will leak, I promise. Like the, the edges leak. Okay, so I need you to hold it right over his head. And kind of, here, stand over here this way so it's sideways, so the bag is sideways. Over. I, I need you to have faith, sir. I need you to have faith. 
I need you to have faith. Do, do you see my point? Everything was just fine. He, he trusts me. Right? You, you trust me, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, but you don't trust that bag, do you? No, sir. Because you know I was holding it earlier because it would leak if I let it go at all. Roger. Right? Yeah, I know we saw it leak. It was definitely leaking. It was definitely leaking when it was over him. See, that, that, that's the thing, though, is that a lot of times we have faith until there's something that challenges the faith. Oh, I trust you. I believe you. But I'm going to put this bag of water over your head and trust it doesn't leak all over you. We suddenly lose our faith just a little bit, right? But we have to begin to trust God. But what happens is, is not only do we have things build up over us, but there are always situations in life. There are always people in life that are threatening to puncture what's being held back against us. How many of you guys have seen things? We're, we're in a situation right now in our economy, in our country, in our world, where, where everything is just one poke away from exploding, right? I mean, we are just one poke away from it all just coming down and just pouring out on us. One little poke away. You, you, you can quote me on that, okay? You write that down. You can quote one little poke away. It's all gonna come flooding down on us at any moment. And it's like, do we have the faith to trust God when we see people say, it's all over? We're one moment away from catastrophe. You can't survive this one. You don't have the smarts to get it done. You shouldn't start that business in this season. You shouldn't step out into ministry in this season. There are so many things that come against us. Don't go down that dark street. There are so many things that come where the world offers their common sense or their wisdom, but they are not God's wisdom over us. We want to make sure that we are operating God's wisdom. We want to do it intelligently though, right? Doesn't just mean we take stupid risks. We take God risks. We need to make sure it's God telling it to us. So we, it's okay to have safety measures. It's okay to be wise in situations. It's okay to, to handle it correctly. Your hand's hurting right now? You, you okay? Okay. Your hands are hurting. So, I mean, we can be wise about the fact that we might get wet, right? There we go. All right. I can use wisdom. I don't want to get splashed. But the problem is, is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to mitigate the river. We're trying to stop us from having to press in. We think the idea is just to keep something away from poking at us. We think that if it stabs us, we're going to be done for. But God says, if you trust me, you'll never have to worry. A drop won't touch you. Though 1,000 fall at your left and 10,000 fall at your right, it shall not come to harm you. But they said we should not start a business in this season. I can't trust God. You see gas prices? I can't even drive to church. We shouldn't try. We shouldn't be stepping out in ministry in this season. God says he wants me to go into ministry. God says he wants me to start a business right now. He wants me to start a business. Well, that would not be wise of me to invest my resources. I need to save them up for the apocalypse that's coming tomorrow. I can't, I can't start a business. How many of you guys think that if I poke this last one through, 
that there's not going to be a drip. How many, how many believe it will not drip if I do another one? How many of you guys could say that on the first one? See, not everyone in here had the faith to see that God could do it. But once you see that God does it, you should be able to then say, I've seen you do it before, God. I saw you do it at the Red Sea. So I believe that you'll do it for me now. You are still the God that does not change in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are still the God that does not change. Thank you, sir. You are dry, right? Yes, sir. You are still the God who does not change. You are still the God who can do it again. And I've seen you do it before. I've he seen you heal the sick, so I know you'll do it again. I've seen you pull me through financial struggle, so I know that you'll do it again. If you called me to it, I've seen when the world has come and poked right through me that I was undamaged, unbroken, unhurt, and unempty. God wants you to remain full. The storms that are set against you that the world means to burst, God can close them up. This is a good message, but some of you are still tripping out trying to figure out what just happened. We trust science more than God. I knew that would hold because I understand the science of it. See, here's the truth. It holds because of the pressure. There is pressure built up there that causes it to seal. Some of you have spent your whole life trying to mitigate the pressure of what God has called you to do, and you don't realize that's why you're always hemorrhaging. Because you have been trying to avoid anything that causes faith to have to rise up, that causes you to be in a situation where you have to be faithful, where you have to be diligent. You want it to make sense instead of make miracles. I want to make miracles, y'all. So let me close with this. I want to be a person that sees the miraculous. I want to be a person that is put in circumstances where I need my faith to rise up. You know, my greatest stories that I tell, the greatest ones I articulate, are always the one where I needed an increase in my faith. Where I needed an increase of his wisdom because I didn't know what to do. Because in the natural, there was no answer. I don't run from those things. I run into those things when God has called me to them. My favorite stories are not the time that that person really asked me to pray for them and they were very nice. My favorite stories are the one where that guy wanted to knife me and the power of the Holy Spirit protected me and the person gave their heart to Jesus. Yeah, I like that one a whole lot. Why? Because there was a need and a necessity for me to partner my faith with God, for me to grow and increase my faith. Does that mean that everything I've tried to do has always worked out perfectly? No. Because we are all learning to hear God better. We're all learning how to listen to his navigation better. And we're all in process. Sometimes some of you have, have gotten scars as you've tried to step into what God has called you to do. It's left a few scars. It's left a few famines. It's left a few uh, a few rough days and so you're either going to have the wisdom of God and faith in God or have faith against him and here's my question has it been God that's failed you or have you been the one unwilling to step out when God has called you to it 
I'd rather step out and sink to the bottom trying to walk on water than to get to the end of my life and wonder if I could have. I'd rather ruin a few cell phones than find out there was so much more glory that wanted to be poured out through my life for other people that I didn't step into. I don't need it for myself. Let me be very clear here. I don't need more glory for myself. I've seen God do enough things I'm good. I can coast all the way into heaven just fine. But I can't imagine getting into glory and finding out that I could have released more on you. That I could have seen one more person get broke through. One more person get saved. One more person get set free. One more person see the glory of God pour out in their life. But I held back and hesitated because I did not have enough faith. Because I did not walk in the wisdom to understand that if God called me to it, he'll see me through it. So are we going to trade our common sense? No. But are we going to trust in God and say, I will step across a raging river if you've called me to it. If you haven't, I'll stay back. I'll use my common sense until I hear you speak and then I'll use the common sense of heaven. I'll use the wisdom of heaven. Because I believe we are coming into a season, like I said in the beginning, right now, where there is a perfect storm brewing over our heads. I, I gave this message for a reason today. When the disciples asked Jesus, how do we know you're coming back? He said, look for rough times. Look for signs and wonders of things that are rough. Look for earthquakes and famines and pestilences and volcanoes. And, like he, he started naming off all these things of things that come in the season of his presence. I'm, I am not giving you a, it's the very end message. But I believe there are cycles and seasons where God's presence comes powerfully on the earth to do a movement of God. And I believe we are in that movement of God. I believe we are in the third great awakening. I believe we are in a season of revival. And everyone's like, yay, we want revival. We want the awakening. But we do not realize that it comes with the thunder too. What are the signs that you're coming? And Jesus said, look for trouble. When you see trouble, do not lose heart. In this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world is what Jesus said. And we are in a season right now where we are beginning to see Jesus move in might and power over the earth. He is overcoming the world, but it does not mean there is not a storm above our heads. But I want you to understand that no matter what fiery darts the enemy throws at you, you can withstand them. I, I want some of you to get this, that this was not a magic trick. That is real. I probably shouldn't have done that. I don't know how big this container is. Come take it. When you come up for prayer, don't stand there. The enemy can throw all the fiery darts at you that he wants, but if God wants to hold back the waters that were meant to sweep you away, then God will hold back the waters against you. If you trust him that he's good. Here's the foundational principle, is that it all comes down to this. Do we actually trust God that he's good? Will he really do it? Do we trust him to be in the driver's seat? Or like me, am I so traumatized by things that happen to me that I can't trust my wife to drive? 
Have things happen to you in your life where you've decided that God was in the driver's seat when they happened and you can't trust him to continue to drive? Or do you recognize that it was you driving and so you don't trust him to go forward? It was me driving and I couldn't trust anyone else to go forward. I don't want to live my life saying because I messed up, God, I don't trust you. But I'll turn it over to you and I'll rest. I'll lay my head back. I'll go to sleep and I'll trust you that I'll get there safely. Or if I don't, I'll wake up and be with you and I won't care. I won't care. I want to trust God with that kind of trust. I want to have that kind of faith. And I want to walk in his wisdom to know when I'm supposed to step out when I'm not. I want to hear him so clearly that I know when to go left and I know when to go right. And I know when just to rest and abide in him. And in seasons like this where I look around the world and I see trouble on the horizon, guess what my answer to that is? God, I trust you. So I'm just going to rest in your presence. Does that mean I'm not going to be prepared or wise or have common sense or wisdom? Of course not. I'm just only going to move when he tells me to move and I'm only going to do what he tells me to do. You want me to store up? I'll store up. Like Joseph, I'll store up seven years of grain for the famine coming. I'll do that if you want me to. Or I'll just trust you for daily bread, whatever you tell me to do. See, to Joseph, he told him, save up seven years of grain to survive the famine. For the nation of Israel said, don't worry, I'll give you manna from heaven every day. You don't need to store up anything. See, the wisdom of God is impossible to figure out with common sense. So when you walk in God's wisdom, you listen carefully. If he says, trust me for tomorrow's bread, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust him for tomorrow's bread. If he says, save up seven years, I'm going to trust him and save up. I'm going to do what he's called me to do in this season. And I believe in this season, he's actually saying both to the body of Christ. He's saying, be wise, save up, be resourceful, keep a nest egg. But I also believe this. I believe there's about to be the greatest transfer to the body of Christ. For those that are pressing in and listening to him, God is going to give us strategies to navigate this and we're going to end up from under on top. You're going to see the kingdom of God. The mountain is going to flip. And you're going to see the kingdom of God and the church, the remnant of God, begin to rise up because we're going to trust his wisdom and we're going to use God's strategies in this season and we're going to overcome the world. Amen? Amen. I believe that's what's about to happen. Some of you have been worried about your situation going, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I'm telling you, everything is about to flip upside down. (laughs) And I'm not saying it that everything's going to be easy out there. But there's going to be a supernatural increase over the body of Christ for those that trust him. We've already seen it. We've seen it in this church. We just went through one of the weirdest seasons that we've ever been through in our lifetimes. Amen? 2020 and 2021 was the weirdest, strangest season we've ever seen in our lifetime. And I don't know how everyone else handled it out there, but this church did really well in it. This church did not suffer during that. We, it started out pretty rough, but we listened to the movement and ebb and flow of the Holy Spirit, and we flipped it upside down. In a season where other churches were shuddering and closing that did not listen to his voice, in 2020, in April of 2020, the first week, right now, today, two years ago, the Lord spoke to me, and I released a word in the church, and I said this. I said, the Holy Spirit said to me that in this season, the churches that do not listen to my voice will close. They will shudder. 
But those that listen to my voice, I will begin to bring the remnant to those churches. So these ones will close and I will bring those that will listen to my voice into churches that will allow my voice to win. That was two years ago. That was during two weeks to slow the spread. And I said, Lord, this doesn't make any common sense to me. Every church in America can survive two weeks of just not having services. I don't understand why they would close. There must be something. I don't get it. I, I did not have the information of what was happening. But God's wisdom was this. Listen to my Holy Spirit in this season and you will survive it. But my faith had to be activated to understand there were things beyond that I did not yet understand. But I could trust that God saw the path forward. He saw the raging river ahead that I could not yet see. And he prepared us for it. So in a season where other churches were shuddering, we bought one. In a season where other churches were financially crumbling, we grew. I want you to understand that this is not just rhetoric. This is something that God has taken us through. Do you know in July of 2020, we held our first OSI conference where we trained and equipped the supernatural power of God. This will be our third one this summer. And in that season, we took on $20,000 worth of liabilities for that conference. We brought in 14 speakers. 13 of them were nationally known speakers. Okay, people that by themselves would, would have filled up a giant room. And we said, hey, we won't just bring one, which is financially, you know, we got to pay for their flight and put them in a hotel and pay them, you know, to come in and bless them and give them an offering. And these are people that fill up big rooms. But in, instead, we put 13 of them. I want you to understand this. In a season where we didn't have rent money that month, COVID had come in and, and our church didn't have rent money. I had to call the landlord and say, I'm sorry, we won't be able to pay you on the first. He says, I understand. I know what's going on out there. Just get it to me when you can. Thank you. We don't have it. But we took on a $20,000 liability to bring in all those speakers. How many of you understand that was not common sense? None of that was common sense, but the Lord spoke. Not only did we make enough to pay those speakers, but we made enough to pay our rent from that event. We got enough in offerings to pay our rent as well. So God moved in that situation because we trusted him. It was not easy. It does not mean there was not a storm. It does not mean the bank account agreed with us. There are going to be situations in your life where the evidence is stacked against you. Will you trust him or not? The bank account was set against us. And by the next time, the next year, we're able to put the money down on a building. One year from not being able to pay the rent and all of a sudden we can buy a building. We're able to put the money down and raise the money to buy a building in the same season that other churches are shuddering. When you trust God and you listen to his wisdom, he will give you strategies to move forward in your life. I know this because this is my life. This is my business. This is my ministry. This is where I've put my trust and my faith. Where is where God is calling you to put your trust and your faith? What is God calling you to step out into? Some of you, this message will go right over your head. Why? Because you don't step out into anything. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I don't know what you're doing, okay? I don't know how much couch time you spend. I don't have cameras set up at your house. I'm just telling you right now, where are you stepping out at? And you say, well, I don't know what to do. Do something. 
Here, I got an idea. Crystal gave off a whole list of places in the church that, that we need help in. If you can't even volunteer in your church where you call it family, how are you ever going to step out into what you're called to do? And who the heck's going to follow you when you never followed anybody? You want to be a leader, but you've never been under one. Learn to lead by serving. Let me say this to you because you need to understand this. There is nobody that's ever been a great leader that never served one. If you have never served, you will never lead. If you can't get in your church and, and serve, God is not going to call you to get a church. If you have never been under a boss and served a boss, you will never be the boss. I'm telling you this right now. You don't, you know how that I know that's true. Well, I'm going to be a great prophetic voice. Everyone's going to listen to me. If you have never learned to serve a prophet, you'll never be a prophet. How do I know that? Because Elisha, that's what happened to him. It says, in the, it says in Kings, it says that Elisha had double the anointing of Elijah. He carried twice as much. And when they called him, they said, bring us Elisha, the one that used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. The description the king gave for who he wanted, he wanted Elisha, the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. Some of you don't understand that, that when it was time for Elijah to have dinner, it was Elisha pouring water on his hands so he could wash his hands. They didn't know him as Elisha, the son of the prophet, the spiritual son to the prophet. They knew him as the guy that washed hands. He was the hand washer. And he did twice as much as Elijah did. Twice as many miracles are recorded from Elijah's life. If you serve that's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, get low and I'll raise you high. The wisdom of God is upside down. You can't ask God to flip something when you're unwilling to have the flip start with you. Start stepping out in what God has called you to do. Start having faith. Start trusting God. But start in activating your faith. Faith without works is dead. If there's no works, I don't, there's no faith. Faith, works doesn't bring faith. Faith brings works. It's the other way. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that faith is rising in this room. We thank you that we are a people who will see the wonders of heaven because we have just chosen to see the wisdom of heaven. We declare that faith will carry us through this season, Father, and that nothing that's sent against us, no fiery darts of the enemy can puncture us Lord, nothing can wash away what you've called us to. Lord, no dark cloud looming over our head, no plan of the enemy, no strategy against us can prosper in this season. Lord, that though 1,000 fall at my left and 10,000 at my right, I declare because I believe and trust you and have faith in your wisdom, God, that I shall not fall that it shall not touch me or my house or my church. And so I declare that God is moving on you in might and wonder. So Lord, we just release the glory of heaven in this place today, that we walk in wisdom, that we walk in greater measure, and that because of that, there is an increase in miracles, increase of healing. Father, we thank you. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.